Hey there, Scotts Hill and all those who are watching or listening. Thanks again for inviting us into your homes and into your lives. We are so grateful that you've been with us through this entire time. Today, we continue in God's gifts in a crisis. Our series looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm so excited to be talking about self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. It says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Pastor Phil has walked us through three weeks of talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit in courage, the gift of the Holy Spirit in power, and the gift of the Holy Spirit in love. And today we're going to be looking at self-control and what that looks like. And if you're taking notes, I want you to go ahead and write this down. The title of today's message is The Gift of a Shift in Focus. The Gift of a Shift in Focus. God's given me this message for you today, and I believe that he wants to use it to change your life and to draw you closer to him. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment and pray for God to work and to use this time for his glory. So will you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your son Jesus and all that he's done for us. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak in and through this message today. And I pray that your power, your wisdom, and your truth would be clear and that you would get the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, when I was growing up, I remember loving going over to my cousin's house. Me and my brothers would love it when we would go to Stephen and Kara's house because they had all the cool things. They had a Pac-Man arcade game. They had a pool table. They had a go-kart. And I remember loving going to their house to look at their magic eye books. Does anybody remember these? Yeah, these were the books where on the pages there are these designs and these pictures that, that when you look at them just right, a 3D image pops off the page. And it was crazy. We would gather around and we'd all be like, did you see it? Did you see it? And it was like this competition. And you were in an elite club if you could actually see the images that were popping off of the pages. And man, it was pretty discouraging if you were struggling to see it. You were thinking to yourself, what's wrong with my eyes? Why can't I see this? Why can't I see what I'm supposed to see on this page? But the satisfaction when you finally got it right, when you were able to, to pull the page up to your nose and pull it away real fast, or when you crossed your eyes and, and got the image to pop off, it was incredible. When you saw that 3D heart, or that 3D tiger, or that 3D United States, it made all the difference. And what's so cool is this, the science behind this, these images and this process is really interesting. In 1959, there was a neuroscientist and a psychologist by the name of Bella Jules, and he wanted to test people's ability to see in 3D. And so what he did is he drew this picture. He, he created this picture with a bunch of randomized dots on it. And then he created an identical picture minus a small circle that he just shifted slightly to the left. So there were two pictures that were almost identical minus a small circle of dots that were slightly shifted. And when people looked at these two images side by side, they actually saw a circle floating above the image even though there were no depth cues in the dots. They were just two-dimensional and flat. 
And what we learned is that 3D depth perception actually happens in the brain and not in the eye. See, we realize that this simple little shift in what the eye focuses on completely changes what you see. That little shift transforms your perspective. And I believe that God is offering us a gift in the Holy Spirit that will do the exact same thing in our lives. And I believe that this shift will completely transform our spiritual lives. Because when God gives us the Holy Spirit, it's a gift of a shift in focus. And my hope and my prayer for you today is that you would allow the Holy Spirit to shift your focus away from yourself and above to God's will. Because that's what I believe it takes to accomplish and experience the self-control that God's word is talking about in 2 Timothy. And I want us to look again at that verse real quick because I want to point something out to you. Look here, see, all of the New Testament is written in Greek. And so this word here in Greek for self-control is sophronismas. That's what the, the Greek word is. And this is a pretty special Greek word because it only appears in the Bible one time. That's right, it's only found this once. And that makes the English translation a little bit tricky. And so we see different uh, translations in different versions of the Bible. In the ESV, it says self-control, but the NLT says self-discipline. And then the NASB just says discipline. In the CSB, we see it say sound judgment. And then in the KJV, it says sound mind. And so we've got some different translations, but if I'm honest, I believe that all of these translations have some merit to them because that Greek word, sophronismos, it actually means to urge somebody towards self-control, to urge somebody towards discipline out of a sound mind. And I love it. I think it's so interesting that it implies that your mental perspective directs your discipline. It tells us that what you focus on impacts your success with self-control when you're up against temptation. And that's what the word of God is teaching us today. And that's why the gift of the Holy Spirit in terms of self-control, I believe, is about a shift in focus. And as we look at what that shift means for us, I want us to look at God's word in the book of Colossians. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, make your way to Colossians chapter 3. This is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, written, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4 together. Let's read. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so this is our, our passage for today. And it starts off by saying, if you have been raised with Christ. It's saying, if you have been raised with Christ. This is the prerequisite course to this whole Christianity thing. It's the ground floor. It's the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. It means that you have surrendered your old life. Your old life is dead and gone and you have been given a new life and you are raised with Jesus. And so if you're watching today, I want to ask you the question, are you raised with Christ? Have you admitted your imperfection, your sin, and your inability to save yourself? Have you admitted your need for a savior? 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, paid the penalty for your sin, raised three days later, and offers you forgiveness and salvation? And are you committed to turning away from your old ways, your old life, and following after Jesus as your Lord? See, normally at this moment in the service, I would offer to those who feel the Holy Spirit moving in, those who feel God tugging at their heart to come find me after the service so that we could talk about what God is doing and we could hopefully walk towards a faith step today. But since we can't do that, I want to urge you. We've got a button on our website. Go to scottshill.org and click, I'm interested in learning more about Jesus. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, click the link in the description and fill that out because we would love to walk alongside you as God moves in your heart and in your life. But for those of you who know Jesus, those of you who would say, yes, I have been raised with Christ. For those of you, we want you to know that, that this is the first step. Now, we got to learn more about what this actually looks like to live out self-control with the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's continue reading in verse 1. The rest of verse 1 says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It says, seek the things that are above. And, and at first glance, you might think, well, that's kind of vague if you stop reading there. What exactly are the things above? Like, is there a list somewhere? Can I, can I check the glossary and see what that list is supposed to look like of the things that are above that I'm supposed to seek? Well, it's actually kind of simple if you keep reading because the explanation says where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. See, when it says the things above, it's referring to the kingdom of God. It's referring to the kingdom of heaven. And that's because Jesus' seat at the right hand of the Father is this picture of him as king in heaven. In fact, 1 Peter 3, 22 puts it this way. Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subject to him. Seeking things above is about seeking the kingdom of heaven while you're still here on earth. That's what it's really telling us to do. And I love the word seek because this idea of seeking, it's looking intentionally. Really, I mean, it, you might as well say focus. What it's saying here is focus on the kingdom of heaven. Focus on God's will for your life while you are still here on earth. It means focus on Jesus's kingship in your heart and in your life. We got to live like it's the kingdom of heaven right here on earth, right here with us right now because Jesus is right here with us right now. And this thought is reinforced in verse two when it says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. This phrase, set your minds, this is where the shift in focus comes in. Because to set your mind on something, that means you have to change. That means when you, when you set a clock, you got to change the time. It's this idea that you are turning towards something. It's all about this shift in focus. And I think it's so important for us to understand that focus is about both attention and 
direction. Focus is about attention and direction. It's what you're looking at right now and what you're looking towards in the future. It's what you're paying attention to most in the here and the now, and it's where your life is headed in the next 5, 10, 20, who knows how many more years. It's about attention and direction. And I believe that this shift in focus makes all the difference. Because listen, I'm not going to play games. I, I understand that self-control is difficult. And there's an incredible amount of frustration that comes with the struggle of failing again and again, stumbling again and again, and failing to find that discipline. I know that it's tough to make a habit out of discipline. I mean, I think about my wife when it comes to white cheddar popcorn. No self-control. I mean, she knows that she needs to stop eating, but if that bag is open, that bag is gone. And I think about my addiction to Mountain Dew. I mean, real talk, guys, confession time. If you'd join me in the confessional. I, uh, I used to be drinking about four to six cans a day. I know, that's right. It's crazy. That's so much sugar. That amount of sugar could kill a man. Hello, diabetes. I know that it wasn't good for me, but up until about two months ago, I just couldn't control the desire to pop open another can and taste the goodness, the sweet nectar of Mountain Dew. See, in the moment, my focus was how good it tasted, how the carbonation and the caffeine gave me a little pep in my step, and how in the moment, I didn't really face any consequences. In the short term, I wasn't really struggling. I had more energy. I felt fine. It wasn't really hurting me in the moment. But a shift happened about two months ago because, you know, I looked at this year and I'm turning 35 in a couple months. And I've got a son and I've got a daughter who's due in September. And I thought to myself, man, I want to be a dad who's active with his kids. I want to be a dad who can play with with his kids who can run around with them. I want to teach Landon how to surf. I want, I want to teach my daughter how to dance. I want to do these things that require me being healthy. And I realized that my decisions with Mountain Dew were putting that future at risk. And so I shifted my attention towards the future with my kids. And I, and I was able to find the strength to say no to Mountain Dew and find healthy alternatives because my direction, my future was more important than the moment. I shifted my attention off of the momentary taste of Mountain Dew to the future of being an active dad with my kids. And we see in scripture that Paul takes that exact same concept and applies it to our spiritual lives. In 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 through 26, he says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one runs to receive the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, and they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. What Paul is telling us here is, the truth that we have to have direction that guides and, and, and leads our self-control. 
if, if our discipline is based in the wrong thing, if it doesn't have the right direction, the goal in mind of bringing glory to God, the goal in mind of being the person God created us to be, then we'll struggle. We will run aimlessly. We will beat at the air and not accomplish our goals. See, if you want discipline, you need direction. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit at work in self-control. And it comes through this repeated shift in focus. And it comes as we turn our attention up towards the things of God and away from the things that are on earth. See, that's what it says in the verse. It says, set your mind on things that are above in verse two, not on the things that are on earth. So we gotta go away from the things that are here, namely money, status, success, fame, material things, and pleasures. And I know hearing that at first, you're like, whoa, is it really that bad, Josh? Like, is it really that bad if I focus on these things? And short answer, I mean, yeah, it kind of is. Honestly, the things of this world will distract us from the purposes God created us for. And the truth about discipline is that distraction destroys discipline. Distraction destroys discipline and our world, whew, it's full of plenty of them. There is an unending list of distractions to keep you away from the discipline God designed you for. And if you're looking for self-control, then you won't find it in the distractions of this world. I want to ask you, what, what might be distracting you from living out the spiritual disciplines that you feel God prompting you to live out? What's keeping you from setting a rhythm of morning devotions? Is it the snooze button? Is it that show that you watch late at night that keeps you up later than you should be so that you're too tired to get up in the morning? I don't know what it is, but I believe that God is calling us to remove these distractions so that we can find discipline, shift your attention towards the goal. Because truthfully, the distractions of this world, we're not made for them. Our life isn't actually made for this world. When we're in Jesus, our life is hidden in Christ. That's what verse three says. Verse three says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That means you find security and satisfaction in your new life in Jesus. Your old view of looking at the world, your old focus, it has died and now you have a new life. It means you gotta put to death that old focus every day. And you gotta live in the newness, walk in the newness of life as scripture says to follow after Jesus. You no longer look to the things that only benefit you and you start to walk in a way that aims to glorify God and serve others. You realize that there is a purpose that God created you for and you can't find it on earth. And so you start looking to the future and oh, what a future God has promised for us. I think too often we forget about the incredible, glorious future that is promised to us in Jesus. Let's look again at verse four for a reminder. It says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Man, that means we are getting resurrection with Jesus. We are getting redemption through Jesus and we are getting a life forever in perfect relationship, perfect harmony with the God of the universe. 
A life without pain, without suffering, without death, without disease, without anxiety, without depression, without learning disabilities, without suffering, without tears. A life that God promises us. And all of it, we get to share in the glory of God. Too often we miss that direction for our life here on earth. Because we think, oh, that's, that's too far in the future. That's just my eternal life. But let me tell you, the key to self-control is finding the way to live this life with an eternal perspective focused on the next one. I believe that that is so imperative, so essential for us to be able to live out self-control. But again, I, I want to empathize with you. I want to meet you in the reality that that's easier said than done. I can preach, preach it with passion, but living it out is another thing because truth is we're stuck in the already, not yet. Let me explain. See, we are already saved, but we are not yet perfect. We are already forgiven, but we're not yet without sin. We are already promised heaven, but we're stuck living here with our sinful desires. It's this tension that every Christian wrestles with as we wait for Jesus to come back. And, and it's not easy. I mean, you see Paul writes about it in Romans seven eighteen when he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Well, let me tell you, it's the same for you and for me. We do not have the ability to carry out self-control on our own. But the good news is, we're not alone. We have been given Jesus, his presence in our life, and his Holy Spirit living inside of us. It's the gift that God gives us. So we don't have the ability to carry it out on our own, but the Holy Spirit can, can help us find success. That's why I want us all to allow the Holy Spirit to shift our focus away from yourself and above to God's will. That's my hope and prayer for each and every one of us. I believe that's how we find self-control, that consistent shift to live in light of eternity, to find the sound mind that puts the things that matter most right in front of us. And the things that matter most are the things that we were created for, to love people with the unconditional love of Jesus. It's serving people with the compassion of the Father. It's sharing the message of Jesus with joy and invitation. It's bringing our God in heaven glory through our commitment to him. And it's exactly like the magic eye book says. Do you remember the title? Check this out. A new way of looking at the world. That's what Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us a new way of looking at the world. He opens your eyes to things above and the real purpose of this life he shows you what you were created for. And it's not just a new way of looking at the world. It's a new way of living in the world. It's a man who looks at his 401k 
and shifts his perspective from what gated community and golf course am I going to join in Florida to what poor community and food shelf am I going to donate to? It's a woman who shifts her focus off of creating her home to be the cover of better homes and gardens to finding some girls who need counsel and starting a Bible study with them. It's the high schooler who shifts their focus off of popularity and decides that they're going to follow God's will for their life and they're going to share Jesus and be a light in their school. It's a shift in focus away from yourself and above towards God's will and it comes from the Holy Spirit. We can't muster it up inside of us. We can't find the determination deep down. It's not like we have to just put our feet in the ground and commit to it. It's we have to surrender ourselves and be at the mercy of the Spirit's work in our life. Because we're reminded of the truth of Titus in chapter 3 when he says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy and by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Guys, the Holy Spirit is the source. If you want to find self-control, you got to go to the source, which is the Holy Spirit's work in your life. It's the key to self-control. It's the key to a sound mind. But what does it look like? What does it actually look like for us to walk this out? Well, today I don't have all the answers, but I want to point you to two things. And the first is this. Set your mind right in the morning. Set your mind right in the morning. Wake up and make a point to go to God in prayer and humbly ask him to work in your life. Say, God, I give you my day. Lead me with your Holy Spirit. Shift my focus away from myself and above to your will for my life. I believe if you do that consistently, you will see transformation happen. And I believe that because it's in God's word, Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Self-control starts in the mind. You gotta renew your mind, set your mind right in the morning, every day. And then as you walk this earth, you will come against opposition and temptation. And so what you need is you need to store up God's word in your heart. You need to store up God's word in your heart. Because what we learn from the example of Jesus is when we face temptation, when we're weak, we need to have God's word at the ready to battle that temptation. What that means is we got to memorize and meditate on God's word. And as I prepared this message, I couldn't help but be convicted by God because if I'm honest, I rely too much on the physical copy of my Bible and the Bible app on my phone to recall specific scriptures. Yeah, sure, I know where things are throughout the Bible and I know that's in that chapter and that book, but the ability to, to have scripture memorized and to meditate on it can truly give us the strength to live out discipline and self-control. 
And we can face the enemy with the power that comes from Jesus because he is the word, because he is the truth. So we gotta store God's word in our heart. We gotta memorize and meditate on scripture. Be like the psalmist who says in 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I believe that in this season, in times of crisis, self-control is so important because the world is looking at us as Christians who claim to have the answer to the brokenness around us. And when we find self-control, we're able to not live according to circumstances, but instead we live above our circumstances. We see that we can be an example. Our lives can be an example for people. People who are looking for hope. People who are looking for something to get them through a crisis, tough times and trials. And when they see the self-control in our lives, we'll make them ask questions like, where does your joy come from when you're suffering? How do you have peace in the midst of a storm? How can you keep loving people when you're hurting? And we can point them to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift that he's given us in our lives. And when we do that, God gets the glory. And that is the attention and the direction that your life was created for. So I pray, I hope, I encourage you Let's shift our focus away from ourselves and above to God's will for us. Because then God gets the glory and people can come to know and be saved by Jesus. Let's pray. God, as we reflect today on the gift you've given us in the Holy Spirit, on the ability that we have to find self-control, to live out discipline. We give you all the praise because we know it is only through you that we can accomplish this. And God, we ask today that you would help us, prompt us with your Holy Spirit, remind us, urge us, convict us, point us in a way to shift our focus off of ourselves and onto your will. God, help us to be an example for those who are looking for hope and joy in times of crisis. Help our lives and the self-control and the discipline that, that the outside world sees to be a beacon of light pointing right back to you. God, help us to think solely about the direction that you created us for, which is a future of glory with Jesus. God, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.